1: us up to the Digital Workspace Works podcast, do you want to give a brief introduction to yourself?
2: My name is Asaf, uh, um, I'm the founder and CEO of uh, RegPack, which is an onboarding and payment platform for the service industry. Uh, We work with a lot of uh, extracurriculum organizations, uh, courses, uh, after-school programs, adult education, um, educational tourism camps. Um, stuff like that, conferences. Our platform allows them to, allows basically any base, uh, service based business to create an onboarding process that is exactly according to their needs. And then uh, from there, it allows them to select the services that they want, do e signs, issue payments, and um, we have some unique offerings connected to installment payments um, that is connected to the service industry. And that's about it. The company is uh, stationed around the world. Uh, The majority of of our activities in uh, the US, UK, Canada, and and Israel. We've been in this about 10 years. And we really enjoy helping these uh, organizations, which are bringing exceptional value to their uh, end users, um, and help them lower the amount of administration, administrative tasks that they need to do.
1: Great. And I mean, that leads me nicely to the usual question is, what does a digital workspace mean to you?
2: I would say that a, a digital workspace, in a way, is, is what, what the world is today, I would say. Let's take an ex- a really nice example from what happened. And I think that COVID made a major difference to, to the change. In the past, we we were a company that we had a huge office in San Diego. Uh, we would only hire people from California or from Israel, um, and then COVID came in. And suddenly we understood that when you have a digital workspace, uh, meaning that you can meet people all around the world just through, through the computer, uh, you, can, you can have meetings from people from three different countries at the same time, at the same ease, something that would take a week to, to actually waste on it. Uh, before, people uh, get a work-life balance that is much better for them and they become more productive and happier. So I think that the digital workspace means um, our ability to live our life in a way that is much more flexible and allows us to, to do a lot more with a lot less stress.
1: I, I think he's a nail on the head for a lot of people. I mean, that's that's definitely my view on it as well. And, you know, with what you're talking about with onboarding, I, I think it's very easy to just think about that as just bringing somebody on to do something, but it's also managing them through, you know, their their, um, their journey, if you like, with the company that they're involved with, and then the offboarding as well. And because everyone is now comfortable with remote working and using different tools, um, you can reduce a lot of friction because. The the education gaps aren't as big as they were, where people weren't comfortable with using a Teams or a Zoom before. Now they are comfortable, and now they expect their level of of a service to just be available. that They can just use, you know, to get paid or collect money or or pay their taxes or whatever it is. Um,
2: I I I totally agree. Uh, There there, I think there are two nice stories that that really uh, highlight exactly the change that happened And, and. and even though COVID was was hard and, and, you know, a lot of lives were lost and all that, I think that COVID advanced the world by half a decade just just by the fact that it happened. Let's say before COVID, if someone wanted to to meet me or, or talk to me about something, it was obvious that we would need to meet in person. And then if I would offer them, let's meet just through the computer, it would seem odd, right? But today when I do that and I ask them like, do we need to do anything physical together? Do we need to touch each other? And the answer 99% of the time is no, right? Uh, So there's really no reason for us to actually physically meet. Uh, That's one one thing that I think uh, really really changed. And the other one is is actually what we're seeing with our clients. A lot of our clients before before COVID or before let's say the last two years, uh, they, didn't th- they didn't see the, the idea of um, allowing um, their end users to onboard and, and put the information themselves, control their account, mm. control their payments. They didn't see any, any importance in that. And now what's happening, it's actually coming from, from the ground up because their clients are telling them, okay, how do I go and and register or onboard or online or how do I pay online? And if they tell them, you need to send a check or or you need to wire money or whatever. They're like, okay, I'm moving on. I'm going to someone else. Since yes. um, I, I had a conversation with, with a large school in, in the U.S. yesterday, and the, the trigger that caused them to to look for a solution was that one of the pa- – they told one of the parents, uh, you need to come in and, and issue your payments. And they were like, this is 2023. What are you talking about? And they understood, oh. okay, we, we need to – we need
1: to change something considerably. Oh, 100%. I mean, I was at the post office yesterday and um, they wanted me to give them cash to pay for something. And I said, I don't carry cash. You know, why can't I just tap it? And like, no, this is an old process, etc., etc., et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. And it just wastes so much time of unnecessary because, you know, all it's done is create paperwork, it's created admin and a bit of frustration. So I'm, I'm very glad to hear of those sorts of things. Do you, th- do you think people on the other side of those processes that, are, that, that have always done it that way, you know, that, that sort of phrase, have always done it this way, do you think they realize the the, the pain and they're, and they're changing or, or are you seeing uh, almost the, the disruption because of those that are willing to do it and cut the, the bureaucracy?
2: I think what's happening is, is uh, th- there are two situations. One is that organizations that are attentive to their clients and their end users or their uh, their uh, community they understand that they need to to change and that they need to move forward and they and i wouldn't even say move forward they would just they just need to get into the situation that everybody else is doing right they need to allow allow people to to control their accounts themselves they need to allow people to 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 edit things they need to allow people to to do something at 12 uh, midnight and it's really uh, powerful especially in the educational organizations that we work with where um where parents there are are slammed right like when you have three kids and you're doing and you have a job both parents are working a lot of times you're doing these things at 10 p.m or something now if if an organization demands them that to come in or to to talk to them on the phone or whatever, it's like it's, it's not going to work. They they just don't have time. So I, I would say that that's one that organizations that are attentive to their clients. And I would say the other one is is the organizations where that were not attentive to their clients and they're starting to decline. And then they decide, okay, we have to fix this because we have a churn problem a major mm. problem where people are leaving us, people don't want to work with us. And a lot of times what, what we see is that um, when there's personnel change that happens in the organization, they they uh, they put the finger on it right away. They're like, this is the problem. This is why it's not working. And once once they change that, a lot of times they, they see a growth, a major growth in the revenue come back.
1: It's interesting you say that with personnel change, because I think that's usually... I mean, you know, people are, are are the key to all this stuff. And and when it comes to changing systems and the adoption of changing those systems, if the people aren't part of that journey, they become the biggest friction to that. And, and I don't know how common is. is. I mean, I'm sure in the States it happens, but in, I know in some organizations we actually have periods where, two, where you have to be off for two weeks without any access so we could see what impact that has on the business, not only from a process point of view, but also from a security, information security point of view and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's a good practice to take yourself out of a process and see, have someone else come in and look at it and go, why are you doing it this way? Like, you know, should we be cutting steps out here, 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 or one form versus five forms? Um, mm-hmm. Those things are, you know, only obvious when you're not involved in all the time.
2: We actually see that a lot as organizations come to us. They try to replicate something that they already have. And, um, and it takes time to explain to them that, that moving something to the digital space is not just like copy-paste. It's just like similar to, <laughs> if you write an article that will be read at the no, people will read on a physical newspaper. You need to write it in a different way than if you write an article that people are gonna read um, on a computer, right? Um, if, you, if you build a form, um, it, a form on a computer will function very differently than the paper form. And, and a lot of times we, we get um, big organizations, especially we especially see this in universities where they're, they're slow to move, very heavy, mm. uh, uh, big organizations, where they, they say, like, we want it this way. And, and we try to explain to them, yes, you can do it this way, but you're not taking advantage of all the, the changes that the technology can give you on one hand, and, and, you're, and, you, and you're suffering from all the disadvantages because you're trying to create something that the computer is not good at. The computer by definition is good at at repetitive processes. And anything that is repetitive, computerize it. Anything that is not repetitive, don't computerize it. And we actually see situations, and I think this is about digitizing um, work with clients. This is really important. Um, We see a lot of times where um, they focus on the end cases. They focus on the 3 or 5% of people that have very, very unique needs, and they, they hurt the other 95% by creating a process that will allow, them, allow those 5% or 3% to do what they need to do. And it's a real process explaining to them, look, you need to cater to the common case. What's important is to work something that will work for 95%, 96% of your clients. The other four percent it's totally okay to go manual on that it's totally okay to add notes to do something that that your administrative staff will need to do something but it's only four percent but if you actually create a process that those four percent can also do it by themselves you're going to make it miserable for the other 94 96 percent right sure. they will need to do so many steps that that they will tell you this is terrible yeah. Um, so, so it's really a process of, 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 uh, of when, when an organization goes digital, it's really a process of understanding, um, how to do it. And, and I think that it's also really important to pick, um, the right partner to do that with you. Um, cause otherwise, um, they can come out of it with, with their clients being very unhappy and deciding that digitizing, uh, digitizing was, was a mistake when it wasn't mm.
0: it's about how you
1: implement it yep no i mean you, you're resonating with i'm thinking of all my failures in life where we've we've gone too complicated or we've uh not not stepped back and, and did done that sort of thing most common denominator uh for the process because most most applications are forms going through a workflow uh and different workflows and you just have to find them, the, the contextually important information at that point in time To provide to the person that's involved you know be it someone that's doing admissions be it someone that's doing the financial stuff or whatever it is they need to see what they need to see but you don't need everything and often if you look at some of the old systems the problem with them is they had every single piece of data was on the screen because they built one screen for everybody instead of you know specific screens for specific roles um and 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 a lot of the stuff you talked about i used to do as process re-engineering which is going through those processes and thinking about it from the context of each person. What do you need to know here? Yeah, what does the student need to know? What does the admissions person need to know? What does the fi- finance person need to know? So this really, yeah, I mean, great, great, um, insight to what you guys are doing. Do you, do you do some sort of, uh, and I'm curious when you do the sort of conver- conversion from say analog to digital, do you do some sort of value calculation, some sort of return on, on investment or, or by, by going down the route with say your product or your process?
2: Normally we don't. Since okay. The ROI is so high; it's so like it happens so quickly that it's 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 a little ridiculous to do that. Um, for example, if when organizations turn it on the installment plan option that we uh, offer in the application, uh, they see an average of 25 to 30% revenue growth right off the bat, just wow. by allowing installment plans. So. A lot of times, working on ROI is sort of like you know, okay, so you paid two thousand dollars and you're getting two hundred thousand. So yeah, like you you covered it in a day and a half.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. And and I think I mean we I have this this problem with some of the stuff that I do as well. We have some really big numbers, and no one believes them because the numbers are really big. And and often. Those, those return on value conversations are not necessarily money back in the bank account because it's, it's saving staff time or you're repurposing the the money elsewhere. Um, but with what you're talking about, yes, you could definitely see top-line revenue changes because you're cutting out a whole lot of noise and, and bureaucracy. And as you said, people people go with their, um, they don't like what they see, they move somewhere else because there's so much competition that are doing it. So...
2: One of the things that were really helpful for organizations that are on the fence and that they don't really know if they want to do this is that we explain to them that they're changing the structure of their labor. Whereas today, when they're not digitized, um, their workforce is basically the workforce they have in the office or that is on their payroll. And once they go digital, they change the fact that their work, their main workforce is going to be their clients because they are doing most of the work for them they're going in they're filling out the information they're selecting everything they're doing everything that beforehand they had three four five ten people doing that mm-hmm. so once you explain it to that in that way where basically you're changing the structure of your workforce and you're, you're Moving a lot of the work to your clients and and not in a bad way in a good way where it's a win-win situation Because your clients are are empowered since they can do their selections and and do what they want faster without the need to Contact you and at any time that they want and at the same time you guys are are lowering the barriers of entry and lowering your costs so Mm. And and also uh, growing your revenue. So when we get a lot of a lot of objections, where it's like, "How could this be?" or "This is impossible," that the ROI is so high and so forth, then we, once we explain that, I, I think it resonates much better, since it's sort of, yeah. "Oh, okay, so I have a thousand clients, and they they're actually I'm moving a lot of the work to them
1: right now." Hmm. Yeah, it, it makes me think of when I when I started university back in 2000. They had a very sophisticated onboarding process, you know, to to get us all in. But it was it was basically destroyed by having every person going to talk to another person who was typing in your details into the web application. And I remember even then, I mean, I must have been eighteen or nineteen, time going, this is the most inefficient way to do it because I'm computer literate. I can just do this stuff. I could have done this at home. I didn't have to come in here, to spend hours wow. in queues. Because all I needed was my student card with my number on it. That was it. And you know, I think that's that's sometimes where people miss and then that's back to your four percent thing. For the majority, nowadays, people can do these things. There's, this, there's always going to be an exception. Let the exception be handled however it is handled. So, I mean, I'm curious to, to know, I mean, what, are you with, with, I mean, you said it mostly in education. I mean, what, what are you seeing now with, and we have to write generative, generative AI uh, to an extent, but are you seeing uh, your customers now pushing now that they've sort of taken the pull and they're going down the route of digitalization? Are they pushing you with more and more requirements that you hadn't thought of? That's enhancing your product, or are you seeing AI becoming more and more prevalent that you can do a lot of things quicker for your clients before they even ask you? If you understand my two different sides of the same question,
2: I would say it's it's the second one. Um, um, A lot of times, what happens is that um, the organizations that we work with are, are less, it's not that they're not computer literate, but it's not something that they focus on, it's not their main interest they are there to, to supply the, the educational needs or or so forth for the for their for their, um, for their students so what happens a lot of times is that as we as we develop things that we know that will help them we actually see something a little different where a lot of them are hesitant to implement the new changes and, and the abilities and um, the way that we uh, and a good example is the installment plans. We created an automatic installment plan option that allows um, – basic, it's basically um, most of the, the installment plans that people use today is buy now, pay later, right, where you you go in and you have a credit check, you basically are doing microfinancing, you're getting a loan for let's say $100, $200, $1,000, $2,000, and then you're paying it in installments, right? The service-based mm-hmm. industry doesn't need to have that structure because it's connected to space and time, right? If I do a course, the course is going to take six months, I'm pre-registering four months in, uh, in advance, probably they need the money in order to, to fund me as a student only three months in. That means that by definition, I can pay in seven or eight installments right? And there's no, no financing needed. So, so we build an algorithm that knows how to make sure that they get financing, um, in-time financing for the organization. Yep. And then we can allow people to pay in installments with, without any micro financing of the student and so forth. Now, when, when I explain it like that, any, any person who is uh, a little bit connected to economics and so forth will be like, yeah, this makes total sense. This is easy. Yes, let's implement this. With educational organizations, they're very hesitant for, for change in general, right? And, and then what what we found the best way to do is, is say, okay, let's let's we implemented an A-B engine where we let them A-B test. Tell so, them tell them, okay, let's let's put 20% of the people expose them to this, okay, and see what happens. And then they suddenly see that the completion rate on those 20% is 95% versus the other 80% is let's say 80% or 75% and they're like wow okay can we move this to 100 and suddenly they grow their revenue by 25 to 30% and and then what happens is as we start pulling out more and more abilities they're less hesitant cuz cuz there's a trust that was created between us and them that they they say okay these guys know what they're doing they know what they're talking about let's if they offer us something let's just do it
1: yeah, and, and I think it's a great approach. I mean, the, the what-if the what if scenarios are always what put, pe- put people into analysis paralysis. What happens if we do it this way, what do we do it that way? And you don't get anywhere. But I think doing A-B testing and, and that is, is a great way to show it, show the value. And I think also, as you mentioned, the, the, the average person that's putting the data in is sophisticated enough to give you good feedback to say this really worked or this didn't work. And, and that also helps the, the value proposition. So, so, so what are your plans I mean, with, with the company? What are you guys doing this year that, that's interesting for, for the listeners that they'd want to know about?
2: So um, RegPack is, is growing into um, to more verticals. As we, One of the unique things about RegPack is that we really have a technology. What, RegPack is based on, the, you know, on my PhD, uh, on, on how you can build computerized systems that have no constants in them, where everything's available, right? Now, um, the... The, the, service, the service-based market is huge in the Western world, right? Mm. I think I, I remember reading a stat where it's like 65 or 70%, 70% of uh, income uh, in Western countries or in developed countries is, is services. But when you look at that market, that market is very, very fragmented. Uh, mm. You see t- software where – think of it like this. Like if I, if I want to go out and sell pens or watches – I will implement a software to sell stuff, right? I won't look for a software to sell pens or software to sell watches. Whereas um, that's exactly what happens in the service-based market. Like doctor's offices look for a doctor's office software. Camps look for a camp software. It goes so granularly. it's like a conference would look for conference software and an event will look for an event software. As if I didn't even know what the difference is between the two, right? and 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 the reason for that is is because of the onboarding process, which is unique for each vertical. And until until uh, uh, the, the technology that was built by Redpack, um, you really could not service uh, two two different verticals. Which, by the way, is is part of the reason that the service-based market is hesitant to implement technology because they're implementing a lot of technologies. Think of a school. A school does uh, parent payments um, they might do parent payments for for special programs they might also do uh, a camp and after school maybe an adult education and they have a conference right so they're using five or six softwares and they're a school they're not like a multi-billion dollar business right they're a school they should not be using so many softwares so they're very hesitant yep. Every time they implemented more software because it's like, okay, this is another layer and another software that we need to take care of and edit and so forth. And then what we found is that um, that when you, you explain to these organizations that they can do multiple things in one software, they really have that aha moment where it's like, wow, so we can actually do this, this, and this all in one place. So that is the plan for RegPack. We, we really want to become, I would say, the, the Shopify for services in a way where we can offer these organizations uh, the ability to have one place that they can go to uh, work with and, and implement their, uh, their workflows, the onboarding processes, the, the payment processes that they need in, in a simple and easy way. So, yeah, we, 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 uh, we have a few New updates that are happening. The the automatic installment plans is, is something that yep. happened this year. Uh, we are we also have um, new integrations that are happening that happen automatically. Um, and I would say that the 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 biggest thing that we're seeing in RegPack today is is now that the downturn from COVID is is slowly dwindling dwindling down and and we're seeing an up. Um, we're really we're really excited to help these organizations um, go into the future.
1: It's very exciting, and and, I, and I'd love to read read your PhD um, purely because you know a lot of my career was around very much what you talked about, you know, systems using no constant variable. Um, and, and when I was sort of starting out, it was called dynamic case management uh, primarily, which was you know forms of data in going through small processes, but the object that it belonged to would always be. Accessible to go different directions, uh, versus sort of traditional BPM where um, it has to go to like 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 a train on a railway track. It goes has to go through each station before you could actually interact with the the object. So I'm very curious to see uh, how the product works because I think that's where a lot of these things, a lot of systems fall over is because they have to become rigid at some point, and that that becomes the the sort of problem with the system where the friction starts to develop. It was built for one sort of flow. And then the flow has to change, and now it's a big effort to change the system. Whereas if you guys are dynamic or fluid, as you're saying, that, that's a really positive move because that's you know, everything, everything evolves all the time.
2: Yeah, it obviously creates problems for itself because when sure. everything is structureless, it's very hard, let's say, to search or to um to see patterns or stuff like that. Um but a lot of times the way that I explain it, um Cause we, a lot of people that we work with are people that have kids and so forth. Uh, it's very, it's very easy to understand this analogy. Um, so let's say all the systems out there or systems that have constants in them are, are the, and, and also is the difference between Playmobil and Lego. Right. Playmobil, like you take it out of the box and it works right away. Right. It's, it just works. Right. But it is what it is forever. If you took out a car, it will be a car forever. It can never yep. be anything else. You have to have a very um, uh, elaborate imagination to think that the car <laughs> is a tree now, right? Yes. Uh, yep. With Lego, you take it out. It doesn't work. You you have to do something, right? Yep. But after you do that, you can decide it can be a spaceship. It can be a car. It can be a, a, a night. It can be a house, right? And, and that's exactly the difference between RegPack and the other systems out there. The systems out there are Playmobil, which is, by the way, is is very nice and mm. and comforting because you just take it out and it works right but then like you said but now my need changes now i want to play with knights but i can't right because these are cars and and lego maybe demands a little more work a little more brain power a little mm. more creativity but you you're you have more more flexibility to change and I would say it's more connected to how life is in a way. Life mm-hmm. is very dynamic, and, and things are not always what they are forever, right? So, yep. so, so I would yeah. I think that that analogy really really helps people understand the difference between yeah. a system that has no constants and a system that has constants.
1: Yeah, it's a great analogy, and that's exactly uh, as I say the the, the passion area that I I've been involved in as well. It's exactly that example because. Often you're dealing with a a those variables are constant for that period of time and they're going to change and like you say if you bought the blameable, you'd, you'd struggle and you know if you look at some of these ERP systems or some of these big systems that people are putting in to do something often it's a it's a it's a huge overhead to keep it up to date because it wasn't ever built to be kept up to date it was built to do it one way so um, no, that's a great analogy um, if people want to get a hold of you what's what's the best way
2: uh, go to the website, um, or our website, regpacks.com, or our LinkedIn is very, very active, um, and, and Instagram. Instagram, LinkedIn, we also have a really, really good blog that helps uh, people understand how to go through the digitization, digitization process. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, we, we have use cases and stuff like that where, where how organizations went through the process and, and what they understood, um, what they, how they understood, like, okay, we need to give this up in order to gain something more. Um, we, I have a few articles there connected to exactly like the 90, 96% versus the 4%. Um, mm. I think these are things that, that, that are important, especially as. Uh, uh, the digital world is is much more prominent than than anything it was than it than how it was let's say ten or twenty years ago. And I think that we're only at the tip of the iceberg. It's going to get mm. um, I wouldn't say worse, but more prominent, right? It's going to be like the the uh, the, the place of of digitization in, in our life is going to be nets. Um So so anyone who has hasn't gone through the process or, or is struggling with the process um i think the blog will really help them because because there's a lot of information a lot of use cases um, of how people went through these things
1: fantastic well i'll get a link from that so you can put that in the show notes and uh, it's great okay. well thanks very much for coming on
2: thank you
0: thank you for listening to today's episode heather is our producer and editor Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.